0: Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E dot Start your confidence journey today with Byte. Catch and
1: Shoot 2.0 is a presentation of Pure Hoops Media. Catch and Shoot 2.0 goes well with both red and white and is perfect with the workout of your choice our hosts are aaron berlin a former kansas jayhawk who believes the orlando magic will win the championship eventually <laughs> his partner is otto strong a man who
0: has covered the nba since before dennis rodman got his first tattoo fellas it is week two and we are back this is catch and shoot 2.0 with aaron berlin and Otto Strong. If you guys listened last week, hopefully you liked it. Hopefully you enjoy what we have set for you coming up today. On today's show, we're going to talk about Luka Doncic and his absence from the Dallas Mavs. We're also going to get into a little bit about James Harden and the run that he is on with the Houston Rockets. But before we start all that, I want to bring in my co-host. His name is Otto Strong. He is too strong. And with that, Otto, how's it going?
1: Hey, Aaron, how's it going? How's everything? Uh, how, How was your weekend?
0: Well, you know, it, it wasn't bad. It went to Disney World yesterday. We're enjoying some nice weather. But, you know, the thing is, Otto, I used to love going to Disney World. and It's part of the reason I live in the Sunshine State in Central Florida specifically is I do enjoy the parks. I do enjoy that aspect of it. But usually when I go to the parks, it's about a four to five hour stretch. I spent the entire day there yesterday. And I'm going to tell you, man, I am exhausted. My legs are tired. I'm mentally exhausted. But other than that, I hear you guys are having a little bit of a tough winter stretch up there in Connecticut.
1: We are having a tough winter stretch. I, I will tell you this, though. Uh, I'm 50 right now, but a couple years ago when I was 45, I was lugging around two kids at the park. So uh, call me when you've, after you've had that 12-hour day with, with a stroller. <laughs>
0: <laughs> now, now, do you actually enjoy the winter? I, I mean, I think there are some people who enjoy being out there shoveling snow and the snowfall, but do you actually enjoy it?
1: So, I'm one of those guys that, that has always liked the four seasons. But, uh, as I mentioned, I turned fifty in July, and uh, even though I was kind of the the guy who'd get out there with a the shovel and get after it, um I've got a nineteen year old uh, son who lives going to Yukon. so I kind of push the shovel in his hands these days and just kind of say, "Go for it."
0: So you just call him <laughs> and make him come and shovel your son. That's not a bad deal uh, at all
1: it It, it kind of works out for both of us, I think, you know, maybe me more so than him, but um uh, but i'm not I'm not uh, not objecting.
0: all right all right i'm about that now if it's me i personally like fall spring i could do without the winners It's part of the reason i live here in florida uh but you know one thing that is nice about the winter we get some nba basketball we get some hoops and you know i think one of the big things that happened in the nba this week is luca kind of spraining that right ankle before we dive too far into this you know luca is such an integral piece of what the mavs do and kind of how he runs that offense what were your initial reactions when you heard that he went down and what were your initial thoughts on how the Mavs would proceed forward?
1: Uh, first thought was, I hope this is not serious. Uh, obviously, yeah. you, know, you, you, you were encouraged by, by seeing it. it was a moderate or they're defining as a moderate spring. They're, they're talking about a, a couple of games and then he'll be back after after Christmas. Uh, and so, it, you know, it's the next man up mentality. Uh, the other thing I, you know, okay, I look at the schedule, I see that they've got a, a number of Eastern Conference games. And while they're the the you know, the top teams in the East, you know, it's, it, they're not projecting for this to be uh, something that'll be, you know, weeks long and they're not gonna be playing the the top teams in the West. Um uh, but it'll give them give they, their guys a chance to, you know, see what they can do without them and, and see um see if guys like uh you know Porzingis can 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 step up.
0: Yeah, and before we talk about Prazingis and kind of the night that he had last night, how much do you like to see basketball teams fight through some kind of adversity? You know, I think because the rosters are so small in the NBA that any kind of absence, whether it's one or two players, can make such a big difference. I mean, we saw it here in Orlando with them dealing with Aaron Gordon and Nick Vucevic being out for an extended period of time, what that does to them offensively and what it does to their run. But for this Mavs team who's so centered around Luka and Chris and what those two do, how much of an opportunity is it for this Mavs team to kind of find themselves and maybe some other ways that they can win basketball games without him?
1: Well, it's certainly an opportunity. I mean, one of the things that I've heard just through covering teams and guys over the years is that players will usually say when they look back on the course of the season and it's a championship squad, they'll usually point to some dark time, some something some moment of adversity that happened and that they've had to you know figure out uh you know another way to get some wins or another way to to um have some guys take some key roles either on the offensive side or defensive side and and this kind of strikes me like that moment now i'm not saying that the mavs are, you know 18 and 8 are gonna 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 ride the rest of us the rest of the way you know after after have to look no
0: but they, but, they are know. a legitimate playoff team i mean you look at them i think they've probably cemented themselves in that conversation between the five and the six seed. I, I mean, they're legitimately well.
1: Oh uh, 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 yeah. It, it's no, no doubt. So, you know, can, can, uh, can some guys get some, some additional minutes, uh, build up the confidence. Uh, and then when, when Luka returns, uh, assuming everything's great and they can kind of, you know, keep, keep rolling as, as they've been doing.
0: Yeah. And the, you know, I think the thing that we forget about is just how good of a player Chris stapps is. I, I mean, I was watching that game last night uh, between the Bucks and the Mavs and you know you almost forget about the way that he can stretch the floor the way that he can attack the boards the way that he can rebound and you know I, I think because he was injured so much last year that we kind of forgot what kind of a player he can be and how special he is just real quick before we kind of pivot here a little bit how special of a player is Chris Stapps and how much of an opportunity is this for him to kind of regain his footing and his confidence
1: uh, I mean in a word huge I mean he he was he was beloved in New York um you know obviously the Knicks fans loved to hated to see him go uh and then now love to, to cheer against him but uh he he was a he was a he is a game changer as well and uh, you know Luca kind of obviously overshadowed him in that regard um but uh but do not do not look down on on the on the unicorn I believe call him. <laughs> and he, he is he is gonna he is gonna be a major a major factor I, I gotta ask you real quick so he stepped into that first three, again with with, with you know, the, the deep three in the fourth with uh, yeah. with Giannis in his face, and then he comes up the floor. Which, by the way, there's like there's thinking,
0: not a lot of other guys who can do that, right? With Giannis no. right in your face and the length that he has and the way that he can go over players, there's nobody else that can do that,
1: right? And then he's walking up and he's about to. Yeah, yeah, I'm thinking, no, he's not going to take the second one, and then
0: there he goes. It's the confidence, you know, and I I think that's something that he's been missing. I think he's deferred a little bit to Luca that we forgot how much of an aggressive player he can be. And I think the stretch, you know, whether it's before Christmas or after Christmas that they do get Luca back, I think that can make such a big difference for them. And, you know, it's going to be fun to watch. Uh, They can take a little bit of a hit in their schedule and see where they go. Okay, from one Texas team to the other, and I know you're going to love talking about this one, Otto, because it seems like every time we go offline, the only thing that you ever want to talk about is James Harden and the run that he is on. But let's start there. You know, Harden, I I think when you look at the numbers this year, just over 38 points per game. I think he's just below 40% three-point shooting. Does it surprise you that he has continued this consistency? I mean, it seems like at some point in the year, we're always talking about the numbers that Harden puts up. But does it surprise you this year, just how consistent he's been?
1: Uh, in, in a word, yes. I mean, it, the guy's, the guy's guy incredible. I mean, it's one of the things I was looking at this season, uh, you know, and maybe we'll get into a comparison of say, you know, Jordan in his you know 37.1 season, but Jordan did that in his third year in the league Harden's in his 11th. I mean, it's, it's kind of mind boggling what the guy is, is able to do. Uh, I mean, you, you've, you've, you have know, You've seen him up close, probably more than I have. Any any uh any takeaways on on how he's doing it?
0: No, you you know the, the thing about him is is just kind of the poise that he has on the basketball floor and how he moves and how aggressive he is and how he plays with the tenacity. But I think the conversation, and I think this is something that we can dive into a little bit deeper, is. You know, you look at that Rockets team and you look at him and whether it's Westbrook and how they play off each other, you know, they're two completely different styles. But when I look at this Rockets team and specifically when I look at James Harden, I sit there and I say, that dude has yet to win anything in the NBA. And at what point, you know, when you look at the cast of characters he's had, whether it's Chris Paul, whether it's Russell Westbrook, whether it's Mike D'Antoni and all the threes that they shoot, he has still not won anything in the NBA. And at what point do we start having those conversations great player but if you don't win anything what does it mean
1: well you know, look, they're they're what 18 and 9 in the standings yeah. there
0: and, and, and really would you even conference. say that they're a contender in the west this year
1: look, like any any team that's got him in westbrook is going to be a contender just just by the virtue of the fact that they're on the floor um however they're they're gonna they have a mountain of work to do um you know, as, as a, in terms of playoffs and advancing through the playoffs I mean, someone's going to have to take down the Clippers. Someone's going to have to take down the Lakers. Someone's going to have to take down the Mavericks. And if you're, and if you're the the Rockets currently in a five seed, looking at starting on the road, um, you know you, you're you, as a Houston, you know, if you're a Houston fan, you might be thinking, okay, we're going to have a great campaign, but are we going to be are we going to be one and done? I mean, that that could potentially happen. They could be out in a, in a first round series. Um, yeah, and,
0: but- it, and it seems like every year we have this conversation about the Rockets, tremendous regular season team, but you know, it's probably been two years since they took the Warriors to game seven in the Western Conference Finals that we legitimately considered them a championship caliber team, because it just seems like whether it's timing, whether it's just kind of the evolution of the NBA and how players have moved about, the Rockets are are no longer in that conversation. And regardless of if they have Westbrook, if they have Harden, I, I still don't see them even making the Western conference finals this year. And maybe I'm the only one. And maybe that's just kind of like a hot take from someone who's never really been a James Harden fan. And I think there are people who discount what the Rockets do because they don't like James Harden, but, but that's just the reality of the situation is like, when I look at it, it's the Lakers, it's the Clippers and it's everybody else.
1: I, I can't come up with a scenario in which, in which the, at this point, in which the Rockets are in the Western conference finals. I mean, imagine I just can't. I mean, um, I'm thinking Mavericks, I'm, I'm, I'm thinking Nuggets when not, not a lot of people talking about them, but, uh, at least not relative to, to Lakers and Clippers. But, um, uh, I just have a hard time seeing, seeing, uh, a James Harden Lynn team, despite all the offensive prowess and all the numbers that he's putting up. Uh, I just have a hard time kind of seeing them get over, over that hump.
0: I was going to say for me, it's the defensive issues, right? You know, people have said that he's improved defensively this year. I still don't see you know there's still times where that guy will sidestep in the paint he won't take anything and defensively you just don't see him get in anyone's grill I think that's part of the problem that people have with James Harden and who knows maybe it'll change throughout the course of the season but I think that's part of the reason why people have a hard time with this Rockets team
1: yeah yeah Uh, I know I know that some of his teammates have talked about you know he's he's, he talks more about defense in the in the you know yeah, Tony has said he talks more about defense, but I think the fact that you have people saying that he talks about defense is a pretty good indicator <laughs> right there. Usually, you know, just let your defense speak for speak for itself. Why do you have to have people talking about the fact that you talk about defense? You know what I mean?
0: Absolutely.
1: It's time once again for that catch and shoot 2.0 favorite, old school, new school. Thanks, Darlene. Today's topic, 70 win teams. We've got two candidates. We've got the Lakers and the Bucks. Now, for my money... I don't think anyone's going to top the, uh, the Bulls. Their 72-win season, but I'm going to be fair. I'm going to kick it to Aaron, and well, we're going to chew it up right now.
0: Okay, what but thoughts? but here's well here's my question, because the Bulls don't even have the most wins among NBA teams, right? Like, like when you look at what that 96 Bulls team did, they won 72, but then you look at what the, what was it, 15, 16 Warriors who won 73. I think it's hard to sit here. and. I'm just being objective in this, is that that Warriors team was by far and away better with the way they paced, the way they revolutionized the game, uh, the way that they were fun to watch each and every night. Now, the difference with that Bulls team, and you can certainly speak way more to this than I can, is that Bulls team had a different approach. You know, the rules were much grittier. And I, I think that everybody sits there and says that that's why that team was so good. But at the same time, like I will take teams who revolutionized basketball over ones who were, you know, tough, uh, gritty, kind of like that Bulls team was.
1: I'll definitely give you the fact that they that the that the Warriors what they did was it was incredible and revolutionizing the game. The way, however, the way that the Bulls kind of operated, and you also have to take in can kind of take in the context of what of what's going on here. So you got Michael Jordan who had just come back a couple of months towards the end of the 95 season had a big dramatic return. Uh, obviously the, the Bulls don't, don't make it to the NBA finals or anything close, but we given, given Jordan's return, but the 95, 96 season, you know, it's you know, the first, the, what would become the second three-peat um, you, you had basketball fans just kind of hanging on every single game that this, that this team played. And, um, you know, clearly Michael Jordan, Scottie Pippen, but just take a look at another guy. I mean, we, we, we joke about him now, but Dennis Rodman, I mean, here's a guy who had almost 15 rebounds uh, for, you know, a game that season, and that wasn't even close to the most number of rebounds he averaged or, you know, in, in and around that era. I mean, the, the guy doesn't get enough credit or enough respect for, for what he did um, and, and how key he was to, to, uh, um, to what that team did. Now, I, per, I understand perfectly what you're saying with regard to, uh, with regard to how, the game, how the game has changed and how the game has evolved. My question to you is could the could the could the 72 Win Bulls team beat the 73 Win Warriors team.
0: Oh, that see that that see that's the day old question, right? Because then you have to answer it by what set of rules are they playing with? Because I do think that if you were to take that Warriors team specifically with the way that they played and the way that kind of hand checking and allowing guards the freedom of movement changed, I don't think that they could still shoot the same way that they do against that Bulls team. I, I mean, that's fair to say, right? But also at the same time, like I, I will say this and I will concede to this notion. Great teams are measured by the championships that they win. And as our producer wrote, you know, we talked about the step over last, last week, right? And some of the all-time great ones. Well, one of the big ones was LeBron going over Draymond and kind of just that instant reaction in that finals moment that got him suspended that caused them a finals game. You know, and so if you're a great team, you ultimately have to win a finals, right? And that team didn't win the finals,
1: right? Right. So, so let's so let's bring it. Let's bring it to this season. We've got Lakers. We've got Bucks. Do you see either squad getting to that 70 win plateau?
0: So. I'm kind of a nerd, right? Like one of my favorite things to do is to dive into the numbers and to see kind of where they stack up against the score historical teams. And I kind of looked at what that Bulls team who won the finals and where they ranked among top five in offensive rating, defensive rating, defensive efficiency and offensive efficiency. And when you look at what that Bulls team did, I want to say they were six in defensive rating. They were top two in offensive rating. But, you know, this is kind of the nerd in me. I took that a step further and looked at what the Lakers and the Bucks do. Both those teams are in the top five in both those categories. And most coaches in the NBA will sit there and say that if you're in the top five in both those categories, you're a good team. But to be a great team like the Bucks are this year, and I do think the Bucks are a better team than what the Lakers are, and you can kind of have a rebuttal on that, but you look at what the Bucks are doing their second or their second in offensive rating and their first in overall defensive rating. And part of that is because they have a player who we've never seen play like this before, who can do the things that he can do. You know, we were talking about Giannis and just some of his comparisons. There aren't any in the NBA. There aren't anyone who plays the way that he does. And so if I'm saying that one of these teams is going to approach 72, 73 wins, I think it's the Bucks because they have something to prove. When you look at the Lakers, LeBron, what is it? Year seventeen for him, and some of the miles that he has on those legs. Inevitably, the second half of the campaign, when they start wrapping up and they start kind of uh, securing their playoff spots, I do think we're going to see LeBron and AD rested. I don't know if the Bucks will do that same thing, and so when I look at this, I think the Bucks have a much better chance than the Lakers of getting to seventy.
1: Bucks winning seventy seems more likely at this point. I don't I agree with you saying with respect to? Got resting guys, uh, you know LeBron and AD, and, and it, look for them. It's all about a ring. It's all about doing, you know, carrying it all the way deep into June, uh, and they're going to be plenty of teams that are going to be, you know, on them, uh, you know, to, uh, to, to in terms of Western Conference placement.
0: Is it safe to say that we don't appreciate 71 teams enough anymore, you know, because you look at the pace that both these teams are on and I think at the rate they're going, they would actually win 74 to 75 games depending on how it fell out. But because the Warriors did it so recently, do you think we don't appreciate it as much?
1: I think I think there may be something to that. I, I also think that uh, I think maybe we we also may be a little bit uh, premature just yet. I mean, I, I'm trying to think back to the Warriors season. When did the conversation? I mean, they had such a hot start, so I guess that you know that. that uh,
0: I believe that they, they won their first 21 games before yeah, actually losing yeah. to Milwaukee.
1: Yeah. So so it, beca- so it became of you know they're just out of the gate they were they were uh, um, you know people kind of anointed them that that squad. Uh, But look, we're not going to have to wait too much longer to find out because uh, Thursday night, it's going to be Lakers and and Bucks, And we're going to get to get to see uh, who at least can claim early season supremacy in that regard.
0: How much do you think LeBron's going to set out to win that game? You, You know, because I think there was a lot of talk about entering the season kind of would LeBron regress in year 17? Would this Lakers team we knew that they were good but could they be great? How much fire do you think LeBron's going to have in that game? Because if I'm LeBron, I approach that like this is clearly the team from the Eastern Conference and I'm probably going to be playing in the finals. I want to make sure I come out and I make a statement on national TV.
1: I think it's important for him to make a statement. I think the question and the and the issue is whether you know say a LeBron in year 10 or year 12 might might take that challenge a LeBron in your 17, it, it becomes a different question. I, I don't know what, what the upside is to, you know, going off with the triple double and, and then having to, you know, to be in the, in the ice tub for, for three hours after the game, as opposed to just, you know, you know checking out the team and making sure that, you know, okay, yeah, we feel like we got these guys. I don't need to, to, to rain down uh, on on them the way that he might have say like, season in Miami or you know back in Cleveland looking to make that statement I'm so I'm just not sure that he's gonna be feeling feeling that on the other side I'm wondering what you think about Giannis feeling like okay yes he's reigning MVP but this is really truly my time to shine
0: well, I, absolutely. I think Giannis is going to come into this game and he's going to want to make a statement. He's going to want to prove that this Bucks team can not only handle anyone in the Eastern Conference, that when the finals come in June, that he's going to make a statement, that he's going to say, you're going to have to beat us on our home floor and we're going to bring it each and every night. And now, you know, it's funny you mentioned that because that is where I wanted to take this conversation before we wrap up. To me, Jordan, no matter what era, Jordan played in or matter when it was in his career, he would approach a game like that with an alpha dog mentality, right? Like we are going into this game and we are going to prove that we are the superior team. And that is the difference, right? Between LeBron and also Jordan.
1: You don't have someone who's not an alpha male doing, doing, um, you know, uh, chase down blocks and things, things like that. So I think they just approach the game differently. I I would, I would never say he's not the um, not the Alpha, just not necessarily the way that the MJ went about doing it, or Kobe, or guys like that. Ask Otto. This week's question comes to us from Milton in Long Island. Milton wants to know, what can the league do about load management, which has led to star players taking the nights off? Well, Milton, let me tell you, um, I'm one of those guys who doesn't really have a problem with load management. I understand from a fan's perspective why that may be problematic. Uh, but you got to understand, this is an 82 game season. Uh, this is a, this is a, a, a league that's built for for the playoffs. And I always ask myself, would I rather see a guy push it and try to play in 82 games and go down with an injury in game 50, or would I rather see that player play 70, take a few nights off, uh, and be fresh for the playoffs and ready to go? Obviously, I'm more um, going to decide to uh, come down on the ladder. uh seeing a guy take a take a few nights off. Uh, it's a it's a it's a long season. It's a brutal season. These guys are, you know, between the travel and but between you know, some back to backs, uh, and then just the the level of play that you have right now in the league. It's really a lot to to ask these guys to do more than that. And full disclosure, Milton from Long Island is actually my younger brother. Merry Christmas, bro. Aww,
0: Aaron. You know, Otto, it's kind of funny that your question came via your brother because this question came on my Twitter and it came from at Mitch underscore Bernstein, which sounds very familiar, Bruce.
1: Well, I told him if he didn't send you a question, he wasn't getting his allowance. But hey, Mitch, (laughs) I was just kidding. The check's in the
0: mail. (laughs) (laughs) The question is, how much is the allowance? But anyway, Mitch wants to know, Aaron, the Magic are exceeding expectations thus far, but will they be a playoff team? And The easy answer to that is I do think that this team is going to make the playoffs. You know, you look at it today and with kind of everything that this team has incurred. They've dealt with injuries to Nick Vucevic, who's a double-double guy, night in and night out. He's their all-star. They dealt with injuries to Aaron Gordon, Jonathan Isaac. And, you know, the thing is that when you look at this team, my only hiccup is, are they going to be able to score enough? Points to beat teams down the stretch. This was a team last year that had to win 19 out of their final 21 games just to squeak into the NBA playoffs. Now, do I think this team is better this year? Do I think their personnel is better? Yeah, I do. I think part of that is because they have a legitimate point guard in Mark Fultz, Foltz. And the thing about that is he finally seems to be gaining some kind of confidence. And, you know, just the better he gets, the more comfortable he gets with Steve Clifford and the system that they run. I do think they're going to be better. But my main concerns are offensively, can they carry the load? And are they going to score enough points? You look at the point differentials heading into the bottom two teams in the Eastern Conference playoffs today, and they are the only two teams in the NBA right now that would make the playoffs with a negative point differential. So they'll make the playoffs, but I'm concerned if they can win a game in the playoffs. Bruh.
1: Okay, you've heard of "Come on, man," and you've heard of and the Fool." Well, here at Catch and Shoot 2.0, we have, bro. My bro for this week is the Knicks, Kevin Knox. Who may, now maybe this was a Friday the 13th move? I'm not exactly sure, but uh, he was attempting—he was on defense and he was attempting to—I can only imagine—rebound the ball. But what actually happened is he wound up doing a putback dunk. That Buddy Hill got credit for uh, for, for, for for the two,
0: bro. Otto, my bruh today goes out to the officiating crew at the Chicago Bulls game last night and a special one to Tony Brothers because you're the crew chief in this basketball game. And at some point, you need to make sure that calls get corrected and that they are right. And the call that I'm talking about occurred in the third quarter of last night's basketball game on a play involving Denzel Valentine. On a play where he was in the corner, away from the basket, away from the play happening, and he gets whistled for his fifth foul. I don't understand how that happens in that moment on a scenario where we have a coach's challenge, you can review a play, but you can't get the crew together to make sure that you give the appropriate foul to the right player. Come on, guys. It has to happen. It has to get corrected. Uh, Anyway, Otto, that'll do it for today's show. Any closing thoughts, anything that you really want to hit on before we say goodbye?
1: I'm just looking forward to the Christmas Day games and uh, all all of that good stuff that usually occurs around holiday time. How about you, sir?
0: I was going to say we're going to have to talk about that and maybe some of the all-time great Christmas Day games that we can speak on next week. I'm actually driving back to Kansas City, so I have a 19-hour drive ahead of me this weekend, Otto. I'm not excited about it. Driving is one of my least favorite things, so I'm just going to try and not get a ticket. So we'll have to see how that goes.
1: 32 ounce big gulp, man. (laughs)
0: absolutely we do want to wish a special thanks to our producer scott turkin bruce bernstein and our great editor ben wolfen please make sure to check out our other pure hoops media shows the mike weiss show drops every monday with mike's a-list guests and great story monica mcnutt has buckets boards and blocks each thursday with interesting people from all levels of hoop.
1: bj armstrong and eric newman have the pure hoops podcast each friday with lots of bonus shows thrown in Aaron and I will be here each Wednesday with Catch and Shoot 2.0. If you like us, please subscribe. It's free. Leave a review, give us some feedback, and tell your friends. Until next week, bye bye Catch and Shoot 2.0 is a presentation of Pure Hoops Media.